Um, we're going to be this morning in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And um, as we're getting there, uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, um, it will be up on the screen here for you in a second. We are in a time of year that, we're, that belief is talk, talked about quite a bit. Um, we're talking about, uh, you know, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, believe. I saw a sweater the other day when I was out Christmas shopping. Have you been Christmas shopping yet? If not, it's coming. So you might, might need to go do that as soon as we get done here. Um, I saw I was in Old Navy and they had a, uh, a, a sweatshirt and I was really close to buying it because it was Sasquatch with a Christmas hat on and it said believe. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of fun. Um, so I, if they had my size, it would have been right there. It would have been in the shopping cart. Okay. Um, because you never know what you're going to buy when you go to a place like that. We're in a season where we talk about belief, but sometimes we need to talk about the flip side of that, which is unbelief. And the kids, the kids alluded to it and told the story of Herod. So we're going we're gonna to jump to Matthew chapter 2. Jesus has been born, and then there are the events that follows in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, what I want to focus on this morning is to note this. Jesus is born. Herod is the king. The wise men are coming. And if you're going to focus on anything, I want us to focus on Herod and his reaction to the birth of Jesus. Now, Herod, just to give you a little, little 411 and who he is, he's the king over Judea. And that, that means he was over all of the Jewish area of the time in the Roman Empire. He was made king by the Romans, and he was uh, the guy who rebuilt the temple and made it into a, a grand thing. Um, and he was known for building big things. He was known for being a guy who liked fancy things. And he was a guy who enjoyed having power, as history would show. He liked to... You've probably met somebody like that. Even the smallest amount of power can go to their head. And he had a lot of power, and it went, it went exactly to his head. And so he, we got this situation with these characters appearing. Verse 2 says this, saying this, the wise men came, saying this, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For, he, for we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the, Christ, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so as the prophecy in the Old Testament would show, Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. This is fulfilling this promise. Now, go back and look at this real quick. Verse 3, Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Notice he's troubled. And the question is, why is he troubled? The real answer is because this, there's a king of the Jews being born. Do you know what Herod's title kind of was? King of the Jews. And so at the heart of his unbelief is not necessarily he doesn't want to believe the facts. In fact, he is inquiring about these prophecies. At the heart of his unbelief is he doesn't want to believe because he knows it will give away his power. 
and really at the heart of most of our unbelief, that's what it is. It's not wanting to give up who we are. It's not wanting to give over control of ourselves to someone else. Now, when it comes to the Christmas story, it's kind of far-flung. It's kind of a far-flung deal. I mean, it's out there, if you think about it. God comes to earth through a virgin, and you think about Mary and Joseph's, Joseph's reaction to Mary. She's like, she's pregnant, shows up, and she's like, oh, no, it's, it's the Holy Spirit conceived this in me. And he's like, yeah, right. What has to happen? The Holy Spirit, or the, the angel of the Lord has to appear and tell him, hey, don't be afraid to take Mary, Mary as your wife. This is from God. And so he believes. Now, this is far flung from him, but he has this messenger from God, and so he believes. As one writer talked about the gospel story, it's something far flung, but something still real. And so there's a weight to this, and I want to get this. Truth persuades by the weight of its own reality. Let me say that again to you, because you just need to get this. Truth persuades by the weight of its own reality. And so here's what I want you to get. The Christmas story... And the unbelief that persists in our culture, even at this time of year for believe, the the root cause of it is not necessarily how far-flung the facts are. The root cause of it is an unwillingness of the human heart, darkened by sin, dead by sin, to want anything to rule over it. And that is the core of unbelief. Because there's a lot of things that have happened in the world that have been unbelievable. For example, after the First World War, do you know what they called the First World War before it was the First World War? It was called the Great War or the War to End All Wars. Because they thought, surely the globe, after all the death and the violence and the mustard gas and all those things, surely this would be the end of all wars. And then just, just a handful of years later, what happens? War comes again, and it's on a grander scale than the first one. If you would ask them a time, no, that can't be true. There are so many things that happen that, and it, it, listen, when you come to unbelief and people not believing, especially the gospel story or the story of Christ and his resurrection or stuff like that, again, I, I believe at the core of it, is a willingness not wanting to be controlled by anything else. Now, this story is kind of wild. It's kind of out there. But every person wants God to be with them in at least one sense. Have you ever heard the, you ever heard the phrase, there's no, no atheists in foxholes? You take a person who gets in the most dire situation they could find, whether they're, whatever their faith background and they're going to be crying out to somebody higher than them. There's a, we are, we, what can be known by God, as Romans 1 says, is evident to all. But we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Paul talking in Romans 1, 18, that is where we go. It's not that we don't know the truth. The truth is evident, especially about God and his grandeur and his majesty seen in all of creation. But how, do, how, do, how does mankind fall and turn away? We suppress the truth 
in unrighteousness. When you think about suppress, you can probably think about suppressing emotion. You get moved by something, and you don't want to really cry. You know you've been there, gentlemen. Maybe you're one of those guys that just has it like it just leaks, okay? I mean, you just have that happen. But you know you don't want to get in a full sob. A couple of years ago, on Christmas Day, the movie War Horse came around, came out. It's about a horse during World War One, and there's some. It's a it's Steven Spielberg made the movie, and if you've ever seen a Spielberg movie, there's going to be a time where you're going to get a little tear. And I was I was just it was a it was a it was a busy year that year, and and I had a lot going on in my life, and I went to see that movie, and for some reason, I was like that horse. <laughs> Look at the and I'm in the movie theater just trying to suck it in because I don't want to go full sob on Christmas Day in the movie theater. I mean, it's just, that's just not what I want to have happen. <laughs> I'm just uh, <laughs> You're pinching yourself. You're poking yourself in the leg. You're like, please, I want to suppress these tears and these man sobs that are going to happen. And I look over and you're like, <laughs> the horse! <laughs> suppressing is keeping that down. So we, as Romans 1.18 says, the, the human heart suppresses the truth. We push it down at the core of our problems of unbelief with the message of Christmas and the ultimate message of God's salvation. It's not necessarily that the facts, they are far flung, but they're definitely real because we do have a desire. Every person has a desire to connect with God and for God to be with us, Emmanuel. We just don't want to submit to the revelation of God that we see in Christ and we see in the scriptures. Unbelief begins in a heart that likes to suppress or wants to suppress the truth. We're all broken and we're our, def- our default settings are, are towards not being governed by anything. Now, Herod has all this power. He is the king of the Jews. And he is troubled because he can see his power potentially slipping away. And he doesn't want anyone to rule over him. And so we go back to the narrative. In verse 7, it says, And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. This is all a ruse. He does not want to worship him. He wants to snuff out that which would pose a threat to his authority. And so what does he do? After listening the kings, the king to the king, they went on their way, and behold... The star that had been seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered, them gold, offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed 
to their own country by another way. And so God warns these wise men who've come to worship the Christ. They show up, they see Jesus, they give these, these gifts, befitting of a king, also befitting of one who would die because this, this frankincense and myrrh were used to anoint bodies. And so they were, this is coming. Remember, Jesus came, God in the flesh, not just to come. He came to live a perfect, sinless life. He came to die on a cross, to, that, a death he did not deserve, to be raised again to new life and that all who would believe on him would, would have eternal life and would have this and have new life in Christ. And so that's what we see here is these wise men coming and worshiping him for who he is. Now, we don't understand. We don't know if they knew exactly or if they had saving faith. We just knew this. They come and they worship Jesus. And they're pointing to his greatness. And then this dream comes and tells these men not to return to Herod. So Herod can't have the information he would need to snuff out his threat. Then... The plan goes on further. Now, when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I have called my son. And then verse 16, Herod's plan takes place. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, wise men, became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to that time, he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Arima, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And so Herod's plot to keep his power was to go, and he decided, I can't find this kid, the wise men. They, they did not fall for the trap. They left and so what we have here is a plot. He says, I'm going to kill every baby two years and older in Judea, all the male children, which is just horrific. You've probably heard the story before, and you've probably thought about it at times, but sometimes when you read it and you know the story, you kind of gloss over that. Can you imagine all the male children, two years old and younger, are slaughtered? How do you get to that point? Well, if you look at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, it talks about the wrath of God is being revealed against, uh, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. And then if you walk through the book of Romans chapter 1, it, talk, it talks about how God gives people over to their debased, sinful desires. They don't want to be ruled and reigned over by God. And so they want to make themselves rulers. And if you read the list of sins, and Paul does this a lot in his writings, there is a plethora of sins listed there. Greed and malice and sexual immorality, all these things. And there's this progressive slide towards you will do anything to keep your power and to justify your ways so that you can be Lord over your own life. There's a slippery slope that happens with sin. So I want to show you here is you think, man, I could... What a terrible guy Herod was. This, what, what Herod is expressing, what Herod did is coming out of the heart of unbelief. 
And at the heart of unbelief is the desire not to be ruled or reigned over by God. There is there's an inner rebellion in every one of us. The easiest way to get you to do something is to tell you not to do it. At least it is for me. Tell me not to do something. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Tell me I can't do something. Oh, oh yeah? Uh-huh. I got that inner, I, I buck it. I, I, it's just natural. It's, it's not good, but it just happens. We have this inner rebellion that's there. But what the story of Christmas does, it shows us that, that it reminds us that God is still king. Jesus is Lord of Lords. He's, born, he's God in the flesh. He has come to save his people from their sins and to rule and reign as a king forever. As Isaiah 9 says, of his government, there will be no end. And so here is, here is what I want to impress upon you as we go into the Christmas season. In the last two weeks, we've talked about God being with us and how great that is and how, how great Jesus is and the, the mystery and the wonderful mystery that it is that God became flesh and how he can save us from our sins and how he is a sympathetic high priest and how he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, how Jesus being God with us fulfills all of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. And so Jesus is this fantastic he is the God to, he's God to be worshipped. He is our Savior. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We've unpacked that. But here is where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe that or do you persist in your unbelief? Now, many would say, absolutely, I know that story. I've heard it from when I was a kid. My parents believe that story. My grandparents believe that story. That's great. I'm not talking about believing the facts. I'm talking about a deep abiding trust that manifests itself in submission, devotion, a willingness to give up control of your life. Because Herod apparently believed the prophets because he was inquiring about this. The reason Herod didn't believe is not because he didn't know the scriptures and didn't even have a, didn't have a, he had a trust in the scriptures and the prophecies. His problem and the reason he did not believe because his heart, he was suppressing the truth because he didn't want to be ruled and reigned over by God. He didn't want anyone else to be king. He wanted to be king. He wanted his own power. And following Jesus, there's a cost to it. Jesus would say, if you're going to save your life, you must lose it. Jesus would say, if any man would come after me and be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So to come to Jesus is a recognition of his lordship in your life. And that recognition can't just be lip service it has to be enacted. And so we give up control. We give up control of our plans. We give up, our, we give up control of our opinions of what's right and wrong, and we go to the standard of Scripture to be true. We give up our sin. We give up ourself to follow Jesus. 
And that is, a lot of times when we think about the Christmas story, we're just thinking about God with us and in the sense of like, man, he's there helping me to not strangle somebody at Christmas dinner when they bring up politics. Or he's there to help me get through this tough financial season. You know, he's with me there. Or he's with me when I'm having marital problems. Or he's with me when I experience the death. And he's with me here. And I will tell you that those are good news. He is there. But the real thing is that heaven invaded earth. And a kingdom began. And a kingdom is coming. And he is the ruler and the reigner. And this is the inauguration, if you will, of God's rule and reign in the world. And so when we see this, we don't... Away in a Manger is a fantastic song. Which almost at the end is like, Away in a Manger, the warrior king has come. He demands submission. He demands devotion. He is, he is king of kings and lord of lords. And our major problem... It's not that the story's too far out there for us to believe. Our major problem is we don't want to be ruled and reigned over by anybody else but ourselves. And the manger is a throne. And I want to call us out of unbelief into belief. Not just, yeah, I believe the facts but a, a faith, a trust in this God that is a relinquishing of ourselves, a relinquishing of our sins, a turning away in, in a submission to Jesus. And that is when we see Christmas, when we come, and we got the holly and the jolly, and we got the, all the things going on. Remember, this is a celebration of the King who is coming. And I call everyone here to turn from their sins and turn from their ways and to submit yourself to Jesus a belief of him as Lord, and to turn from your sin and your ways and to turn, from, turn to him and believe what he says about what is right and wrong, to believe what he says about eternal life, to believe what he says about the, a spiritual life, believe what he says on these things, submit to him and his life, his way, submit to Jesus. Now, I'll tell you this, when I was a kid, I had chores to do. I did not like to do those chores. If you have kids who do chores in your household, I would imagine there is some type of war that wages about chores. I, I'm just saying, okay? Let's just be real. It's probably not, not real pretty sometimes, okay? And my mom would tell me regularly, Matt, take out the trash. And I said, I will do it in a minute, right? I'll do it in a minute. Matt, clean up a room. Absolutely, I'll do that. Now, Talked about, I've used this illustration before. Week comes, my mom was always gracious and patient with me. Uh, and so, week comes, still haven't done it. And she comes up to me and she, were, she would say, Matt, what did I tell you to do? <laughs> I would be like, which time? Okay. Um, and, and I would tell her, you told me to clean my room, take out the garbage. Yeah. If I could recount, I... Matt, do you believe I said that? Absolutely, I believe you said that. Matt, do you, you understand what I said? Yes, I know what the trash is. I know what these things are. Do you, you remember what I said, right? Yeah, trash, room, yeah. Well, you didn't do it. 
I believed it. I understood it. I even memorized it. But I didn't do it. There's something messed up there. And you see that with kids. We don't see it. We, if, if we believe that God came to earth to pay for sins, and he was born of a virgin, and they lived a sinless life, and they died a death he didn't deserve, and he was resurrected on the third day, and he is the God of all the universe, and he has ascended, and he will come again and establish God's reign on the earth, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth in his rule, and those who believe on him will have everlasting life, and those who don't, do not will have everlasting punishment. If you believe that, but you don't do anything about that, that is not the belief that's talked about in the Bible. It's not. That's not saving faith. That's not what God is calling us to. That is small and slight and insignificant. The, the belief that the Bible calls us to is submission. It's love. It's devotion. It's a turning from ourselves to Jesus. It's a following him. Don't be like Herod, because if you follow your own unbelief and your, own will, your willingness to be your own God, who knows where it will lead you? It led him to infanticide. And if you follow Romans 1, it leads to all sorts of sin and debauchery. Do not trust yourself. Do not follow your own heart. It will lead you to death. There's a king who's born in a manger. Submit to him. Submit to him. Let's pray. God, you have been really good to us in that you are so patient with us. You're patient with us as we struggle with belief and we struggle with our sin and we struggle in so many ways. We are thankful that you are with us. We're thankful for your comfort. We're thankful for your power. We're thankful for your strength. We're thankful for these kids, and we're thankful for the message that they proclaim to us, and we're thankful for this time of year where we just get to talk about Jesus coming to earth, and it's just this great time, God, and there's so much joy. But can help us, help us not to persist in unbelief. Help us to believe and submit confess and follow Jesus. God, I pray for that person in here today who is familiar with the story but does not know you. I pray you would put conviction on their heart that they would see their sin as terrible and see you as the only remedy and they would turn from their sins and trust you and they would call out in the name of the Lord in prayer repenting of their sins and, saying, and giving their life to you. God, I pray for that person here. God, I pray for that person today who is confused, that they would find someone who knows the gospel to talk to so that some of, that, some of, that, some of the cobwebs will clear and the blurred vision would become straight and aligned and they could see who you are, Lord. God, I pray for those of us in here who are struggling with sin and um, we don't want we, we've, we've submitted to you, but we have a problem just continually to submit to you and want to rule our own lives, God. 
We pray, I pray for that person in here that we would continue to submit to you. God, I pray for that person in here who is struggling this time of year with the loss of a loved one. I pray you would show yourself to be Emmanuel in their situation and be God, God with us. God, I pray for that person who is just over, overfilled with joy this year. I pray that that joy in this Christmas season would, would not just be in the, the stuff of the season, but would be in you. God, I pray for, for a time where our Christmas gatherings would be full of life and love and joy, and most importantly, with you at the center of it. So God, bless us people. Bless us, we pray, not for our glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to do something here. We do this every, every Sunday. We're going to invite our communion team forward. We celebrate communion. And this is especially, um, especially special uh, because we get to uh, do this right before Christmas. And so we're going to pass out the communion, just let you know, for some of you who are new with us, we have um, the bread. We have two cups, kind of on top, one on top of the other. There's one with bread in it and one with juice in it. Be careful as you pull those apart. They can get, you can sling juice on your neighbor. Apologize if that happens. Um, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, um, we invite you to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. If you are not, it's fine to let it pass. This is just a symbol of what Christ has done in his coming, his death, burial, resurrection. And so we, in a moment, after we pass out the elements, we'll take that together, and we'll conclude with a, a little singing of Silent Night as well. So if you would, just take a moment as it's being passed out to think about what did God have for you today through this message and how do you need to respond in kind after we've looked at his word and, and, uh, and let's marinate in that for just a minute.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples. And when he had took it, taken bread, he broke it and said, this is my body, take and eat. In like manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, take it and drink. As often as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, Amy Mac, if you'd come on up. As our final way, as to conclude our service today, and to really magnify the Lord and to think about his coming, I'm going to ask you to do something. Underneath your chair, there should be a little tea light, an LED tea light. This little light of mine, you're going to let it shine, okay? If you go ahead and flip that on, there's a switch on the bottom. Flip that on. Um, we will, uh, we're going to stand together and uh, maybe dim the lights a little bit. And um, we're going to sing, in honor of the light of the world coming, Silent Night. And on your way out, if you would just uh, deposit those. Uh, there's a table on the back on your way out. Just deposit those. As soon as we get done singing, we'll be dismissed. And um, we're just so thankful we could worship, worship on, at this time of year together and celebrate the light of the world coming. So, Amy, without further ado, lead us. Silent night. Holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so Tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace, silent night, Shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure Jesus, Lord, at thy birth.
us, Lord, at thy birth. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>